Welcome, everyone, to the C-Suite Marketing Perspectives podcast. I'm Steve McDonald, your host. And today we're going to talk about a really important subject in terms of how do you have content do the heavy lifting for you? There's so much that we can do and learn from our content to impact the overall success of the company in the marketing and issues and sales. And to do that, we're going to have a conversation here with Carla Rivershine. Carla, you're at a climate tech company called Patch, and you're running marketing for the entire European region. Uh, but give us maybe a little bit more of a sense about your overall background and what you're doing at Patch, and then we'll jump into things. Sure. Uh, well, thanks so much, Steve. It's uh, great to be here and great to be chatting with you today. Um, so, so yes, uh, I guess probably at a really high level, um, I am very much a marketing generalist. I have uh, worked in marketing for uh, the last almost 15 years now in a combination of startup and corporate environments, probably about 50-50 split now. And um, yeah, one thing that I, I observed about myself pretty early on is that I, I don't like to sit still and I really like to always be working towards something. So certainly when I was in the corporate world, I found myself constantly moving from one role to another. And um, I think what I learned then was that I'm definitely more of a builder as opposed to a maintainer. And um, certainly in the corporate world, you can find yourself quite quickly in a role where you are just sort of in main maintenance mode, um, which definitely isn't for me. And so what that actually meant by moving from role to role is that I got a lot of experience in different areas of marketing from content marketing to product marketing, brand, field marketing, marketing operations, all of that good stuff. And actually what that did for me was it really nicely positioned me as somebody who was really perfect for startups, um, which is where I now sit and uh, have been for the last uh, five or six years. Um, and uh, yeah, really, really, really enjoying that world because it is a lot more dynamic. There is always new things to work towards. You're constantly building. You never get to that point of maintenance and you really do need every single one of those skills that I acquired along the way. Um, so at the moment, I'm working, as you mentioned, for a company called Patch, um, which is a climate tech company. Um, we provide software and services to help voluntary carbon market participants buy, sell and man manage credits. Um, and that probably means not a lot to many people on this <laughs> webinar. So um, basically, the carbon markets are uh, a trading system in which carbon credits are sold and bought to help companies that are looking to reduce and or remove carbon emissions as part of their climate action strategy. And so really just working with companies to, to do the right thing to help tackle climate change. So um, yeah, that's a, a little bit about me. Well, fantastic. What I want to do is I want to start out with what I think is one of the most important things that we're going to talk about. And that is, how do we get a better understanding of our buyer through the content that we create and distribute? For sure. Um, I mean, I feel like as data-driven marketers, we do need to be tracking absolutely everything that our buyers are doing. And content is a really, really effective way of doing that. Honestly, I can't think of many other ways that we can do it. Um, and so, you know, you're thinking about things like which web pages on, um, they visited on your site or what content they've downloaded or which webinars have they been tuning into or podcasts or whatever it might be. Um, now, as marketers, we really need to be on top of all of that stuff and have all the tracking mechanisms in place so we can see that. And as we do that, 
it really helps to provide us with those signals to understand what they're interested in. And also, hopefully, it gives us an indication of where they are on their buyer journey. So if we take Patch as an example of that, we have different buyers at different stages of the journey. And um, when it comes to purchases of carbon credits, some people will be super, super early stage. They are barely at the point of implementing a climate action strategy. They're probably just starting to build it out. And they're trying to figure out how to do it or uh, you know, which climate commitment they should set. So should it be like a, a, a net zero science-based targets um, commitment or carbon neutral, or do they want to be carbon negative? And they're just trying to kind of balance which of those makes the most sense for their company. Or they could be a little bit more advanced and actually they know what their commitment is and they're trying to figure out how to work carbon credits into that strategy. And maybe they just need a little bit of help around what their budget should be in order to be able to achieve the commitments they've set out to do. So observing their behaviors around the content they interact with can really help us to figure out where they are in that journey, how educated are they in this space. And in, so, in doing so, we can build out a much fuller profile which can help us to guide them along their journey, but also can better signal to sales when is the right time for them to start speaking to this prospect as well. I mean, it makes me think of the, you know, the phrase that actions speak louder than words, right? Because what they do and where they choose to spend their time interacting with you and where they explore more, right, is huge indicators, huge indicators of what their interests are. And then, yeah, like you said, where they are in the buyer's journey and everything. So what I, what that means also then is how you can know how to serve relevant content at just the right times, sure. right? Talk about that. You've got a, a, a point of view on, on that as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, there, there's no exact science, you know, and I think what we have to embrace as marketers is that it's all about experimentation and, we're, you know, probably won't get it right every time or certainly won't get it right first time. So, um, and then the other really important point I would say about this <clears throat> is that no journey is linear. So just because one person does this, 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 and then they're ready to speak to sales doesn't mean the next person is going to want to do that. So you do need to sort of enable them to be able to take the journey that makes most sense to them. But there are certain things that we can do as marketers to help them along the way. So obviously, gathering those data points can give us clues as to where they're at and what they're interested in. And so that can help us to tailor that journey that they go on. So for instance, if I saw that somebody had been reading the guide that we've created around what climate commitment should I be setting as a business? As I mentioned earlier, that probably suggests they're fairly early in their stages of setting out their climate strategy. So probably what I would do is serve them up another piece of content, which is sort of a similar level. It might just be nudging them ever so slightly along the journey, but it's not going to be so wildly different from what they've been engaging with so far because probably they still need to be educated a lot more. Um, but by sending them something which is listening to what they're already doing and giving them something that we think will be valuable to them and relevant, it shows that we, we're, we're understanding where they're at. And uh, hopefully in doing so, they will feel that Patch understands them and, uh, you know, it's sort of a, a trusted partner that they can, they can work with. So, um, 
So yeah, I think it is, it's, it's really just about listening to what they're doing and then trying to figure out what those next steps are. And it, yeah, it probably will be a little bit of experimentation to figure out what the right formula is. I'm sure, not sure I still know what that is. And I'm constantly um, playing around with it and optimizing. Um, and yeah, because people are quite random in the way that they operate, um, you know, you're never going to get it 100% all the time. You know, you mentioned a couple of things in there that were really interesting, you know, de developing that trust, right? And really what you were talking about is educating them on, you know, you're just starting this journey, right? Like, what are the right decisions? What are the right things I need to consider, right? That to me is thought leadership, right? That's, that's not talking about your platform, feature benefits. That's talking about this world of climate change, how we can be a part of it. How do I think through that process? And how are you a leader in, in guiding them through that process? Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about just your thoughts on thought leadership, right? And, and how important that is, no matter what stage that they're at in the buyer's journey. Yeah, for sure. I mean, gosh, thought leadership is just, it is just probably one of the most important things we can do as marketers, honestly, because it's about creating that trust and credibility in the market that you are somebody that people work with and want to work with and that you really know and understand this market inside and out and actually there's no one else out there better suited to helping them on this journey um, and that can be achieved in so many different ways whether it's you know speaking at events or you know creating really thoughtful webinars and podcasts or guides and I think you kind of need to do all of these, all of these things, and more, to really build that sort of that groundswell required for people to kind of really look at your company and think, yeah, okay, I believe that for this this challenge I'm facing now, this company is the one that can help me with that. Um, so you know, I, I think it, in order to get there, ideally, you need some internal thought leaders that you can lean on quite heavily for. The purposes of this stuff. So normally the CEO of a company will be a good source of thought leadership. And then you may have other key personas within the business that are, you know, extremely knowledgeable in the space and can talk very um, cohesively and succinctly around specific topics. And, you know, they're the kind of people you can send out to events to talk. And they're the kind of people where you'll, you'll interview them for blogs or and they'll contribute to reports and guides and all of those kinds of things. And it's really, really important that you work with them to um, to make sure that their their voice is out there and also helping them to sort of build their external profiles as well. So thinking about what their presence is like on LinkedIn and making sure that they're, you know, regularly posting thoughtful things on there. So they're sort of building a network of people that are kind of listening to what they have to say. Uh, it's 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 not a, it's not an easy thing to do, especially when dealing with CEOs, because they tend to be so insanely busy that the last thing that they want to think about is their LinkedIn profile. And so you will need to do a lot of handholding there. And um, often it is you creating the content on their behalf and they them signing off on it to kind of get it out there. But it is just so important um when you're you're thinking about thought leadership that you, you you do these kinds of things and how do you think about it and maybe you know internal conversations because you know 
obviously marketing and enabling sales in an ABM process to, to keep the relationships alive and move them along. And, but sales also has quotas, right? You know, they have a very short-term focus. And, and so how do you think about and, and talk about thought leadership in terms of when you're communicating with sales, right? And, and the importance that it has in, in terms of, you know, how do you get them to accept thought leadership? Or is that a problem? You know, how do you think about it? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say there is a conflict there because thought leadership should be feeding what sales are doing. I mean, to me, thought leadership is generally top of funnel. So it's creating that demand for your business. And I think it's marketing's job then to figure out at what stage it's right to push them across to sales. So you're not necessarily sending them absolutely everyone that comes through the top of funnel. Oh, they, this person clicked on an ad. Great. Let's pass it to sales. Like there's no way that person is going to be ready to speak to a salesperson yet. Um, but the thought leadership is going to be a really powerful driver for creating that demand that you're going to need to build the pipeline later on. So I think it's really important that sales are educated on what's out there and what tools we have available because um, they, they can draw upon it too. It shouldn't necessarily only be for marketing to promote this stuff and then it creates some leads and then eventually it makes its way to sales, but also it can be to in-deal stuff where sales are you know, in conversation with somebody and actually just produced this guide on setting a carbon budget and that's exactly what they've been talking to this prospect about. So actually get that guide over to them and maybe have a conversation with them around that. So it's, I guess, giving sales the tools to be able to have that. And so sort of things that um, I would normally do when launching a piece of content is to to do some kind of kickoff with the sales team to sort of let them know, right, this is this is the new content that we have. Here's like four things to know about this piece of content. You know, maybe create a few slides that they can work into existing decks, which might pull some of the data points from that guide. So it's not really adding work. It's just giving them additional tools in their artillery that they can draw upon should they wish to. No, um, no pressure, you know, if they don't want to, they don't right. find it useful, that's fine as well. Um, but I would say it's, it should definitely be complimentary. I mean, you're always going to have some salespeople that just aren't engaged, don't want to like deal with that, whatever marketing you're doing. Um, but I think for the most part, I would say salespeople do tend to find this stuff really, really useful and um, are normally asking for more and more of it. Honestly, they want more thought leadership out there. They want us to be really visible on our website and to be talking at events and putting webinars out there and all of this stuff, because the more of that stuff that's out there, again, it increases our company credibility and it can only really help them, you know, when they're having conversations with prospects. Yeah, I had a, a CMO tell me like it takes cycles away from the salesperson, right? Because they're not having to build that trust and that exactly. thought leadership, right? And trusted advisor kind of a status as much if they yeah. look, have to do that on their own, right? Um, and it's definitely things they want to be adding value all throughout that ABM process, right? So, you sure. know, being able to share things that are highly valuable, um, you know, inside and outside of the sales, you know, actual, like, here's what we're trying to sell, but we're trying mm -hmm. to build this relationship. We're trying to maintain a relationship. We can't just sell all the time. So I yeah. think that's, that's great. Thank you. Um, you talked about, uh, you, you had a, in a previous conversation, you had an interesting, uh, 
term, you called it signposting. Mm-hmm. Right. And about you know, serving up the right content at the right time. What did you mean by that signposting? Yeah. So it, it again, it's it's really about listening to what people are interested in. And then that in itself is like a signal to us. It signposts to us. This is what this person is interested in. We think because they're interested in this, they're probably here in their buyer journey. So that tells us a lot about them. But equally then in return, we can signpost to them where they go next. So, um, okay, so you're interested in this, then I suggest you take a look at that because that is also quite relevant. And as, as I mentioned earlier, it just sort of nudges them in the direction that we want them to go to. And sometimes that can be quite a quick process. Um, and sometimes it, it can be quite a slow process, to, again, depending on where they're at, depending on the stage of their company and how seriously they're taking whatever it is that your company are helping them to solve. Um, so, but yeah, that, that's what I meant by signposting. And that's all kind of part of that tracking the buyer's journey, right? Right, right. And, and you also talk about combining that with intent data mm. right? and that, that more marketers need to be using this intent data in order to be identifying where they are in this buying journey and tracking it, not just the content, but that, that there's outside signals. And tell For us sure. a little bit more about that. I know you're passionate about this area. Yeah, I'm a, a big intent data fangirl. Um, I uh, I started out probably maybe three or four years ago, maybe four, um, using uh, a tool called Bombora. Um, and basically what Bombora does and what other intent data providers do is they give you access to intel on what companies are researching. And why that's important is obviously if they're researching something, it could suggest that they are in market for something. So actually the way I came about, the, the way that I ended up looking into intent data more seriously was, was a couple of companies ago. And I was um, the head of marketing for this company and I regularly would listen in. This is actually during lockdown. So I had very little to do in my spare time. So <laughs> in my spare time, I would listen to sales calls. And I, uh, I loved listening to the cold calls that the BDR team did because there was just always interesting nuggets you could garner there from the discussions they were having, which could help inform me on how better we could position ourselves and, you know, what the market's asking for and all of that stuff. And um, one of the calls I was listening to, it it did make me laugh, but it also made me think. Um, And it was basically this person who got extremely irate with the BDR because she said that they got the timing all wrong for calling her. And actually, they had been in market to purchase a solution like the one we were selling a year ago, not now. And so she said, why didn't you contact me a year ago? Now we're stuck in a contract with such and such a vendor who actually we're really unhappy with. It's not delivering at all what we wanted, but you're too late. You know, we're stuck in this contract with them now. And um, I did find it really funny, but I also thought, now I wonder what we could do about that and how could we avoid situations like this in the future? So that's when I started to look into intent data. 
a little bit more. And it made me think that actually, if we did have those signals to understand that com certain companies are researching certain topics, that that could be a, a serious advantage to us so that we are actually contacting them at the right time. So like for for us at Patch now, we're, we're only starting to experiment with this. And um, so we're still fairly early stages uh, and we're using Zoom in folks. They also have intent data tool within um, their solution. And so what it can help us do is sort of figure out, for instance, like high intent keywords for us might be carbon credits or carbon removals or carbon offsets. These are all things where people are right now potentially looking to purchase those things. And those are things that we can help them with. So if we know that suddenly they're, you know, companies within our target list are actively searching for this stuff, they weren't searching for it two weeks ago or a month ago, but they are now, it suggests that actually there is, could be the right time to get in touch with them. And so maybe it's a case of sending the salesperson in straight away and trying to get them to call them or send emails to them using the right messaging aligned to whatever it is they're researching, or it could be an opportunity for marketing or the BDR team to sort of take a softer approach where we send them some content, which is aligned to what they're looking into. So it could be, you know, quite coincidental for them that, oh, I was hmm. just researching this the other day. And now I've received this guide, which actually really helps me on that journey I'm taking right now. So, um, so yeah, I think there's there's so many things we can do with intent data. Um, I've I've done I've done a lot of playing around with that data in the past, merging it with other um, sort of engagement data points that we have within marketing, so that we could then almost come up with this dashboard where we are able to week by week signal to the sales team these are the accounts, these are the top 10 accounts that you guys should be focused on for this week or this month or, or whatever the time period is. And it's drawing on all of these different signals to make sure that we're, you know, really, really focusing in on the people that are kind of the most ready to hear from us right now. Here's why I know that's so important, right? Is in, in any market for any B2B company, there's somewhere between 95, 97% of the market that's not in the market to buy right now. Right. Yep. But we're trying to create relationships. We're trying to nurture them. But without this intent data, they just become they're they're part of that continual program. And we're teaching we're treating them all the same. Right. Yep. Where this says, no, it's time for us to kind of ramp up our efforts a little bit. Maybe, you know. We all, the, every sales department is limited by, you know, capacity and resources and everything. And, you know, I'm not just going to pick up the phone and call anybody in that 97% just to say hello, right? But I'm going to do things that require additional effort and resources if I think the return on investment is going to be that much greater. And that's what you're doing, Right. And you're, exactly. you're helping sales identify where does your additional resources and time and effort, where, where are we going to get the most return, right? And if I'm, if I'm a salesperson and I have a quote over my head, I want that filtering, right? I want them. Not only did they download an ebook, that's great, right? You know, there's lots been written up about the death of MQLs, right? Just because we download mm -hmm. the content doesn't mean, right, that we're ready to, to be engaged with a salesperson. Um, but the intent data adds that level. Um, exactly. So, yeah. For sure. And 
what I would add is that, yeah, without it, you are kind of shooting in the dark a little bit. Um, the, the engagement stuff tells you part of the story, but the intent data really helps you to narrow in on sort of sales readiness. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing is, yeah, because you're approaching people at the right time, it can significantly reduce the sales cycle. Like I think that um, one of the one of the um, best examples of that from my company a few companies ago, um, I think we had a typical sales cycle of about nine months and we managed to get it down to, I think, six weeks using intent data. So it was just huge. Um, so there are serious advantages to using intent data if you use it correctly. That is one of the most important things we've talked about yet, right? I mean, obviously, if we can reduce that sales cycle by pinpointing those those folks that are that are at that stage of their of their buyer's journey, and you can tell that intent data too. It's not just one person. There's like a number of people inside the organization, right? Because there's there's a buying committee that we talk to, mm. right? And it's really important to understand that that committee is engaged in looking and in and you know creating these intense signals. Right. Uh, what is the, we, we've talked a lot here about lots of times those, those intense signals is they're searching, what are they searching for? They're searching for content, right? So it's, it can be our content. It can be content that, that is out there, but if you just could rate for us, the content that you as a company are creating, how important it is, right? On a scale of one to 10. How important it is for the overall growth and success of the company? One, it's not important at all. Ten, it's actually vital to that growth and success of the company. How would you rate that and why? Yeah, I mean, for sure, it would have to be ten for me. For me, there is honestly nothing more important in my toolkit as a marketer than content. Um, without that, we don't have the data. It's just as simple as that. You know, no content, no no website, no, um, no, no, no eBooks, nothing that can help you understand your audience other than the super manual salesperson picking up the phone and having a conversation and then having to log that. I mean, like that's fine, but that's like so old school, you know, and we need to be operating much faster than that. So we need to be gathering all of these data points. And really the only way I can think of doing that is through content. Um, so no content is always my go-to. And like, I think about every interview I've ever done, it always revolves around content and how content is going to lead that company to success because it is, yeah, it, it, it does so many things from providing a really powerful tool for showcasing your thought leadership. And as we've mentioned, building your company's credibility to being obviously really important lead generation tool for the company and yeah, it, there, there's just so many ways you can use content. And I honestly can't think of a world where there wouldn't be content as part of my marketing strategy. So, Well, you know, and I just want to ask your opinion on this because there's this, you know, trend for B2B buyers to um, want a more self-serve buying process, right? And, and the trend also is that they're getting later and later into their decision-making before they even want to talk to somebody inside of a company. Sure. 
you know, I think Ev Gardner had said there was like 83% of B2B buyers are done with their research, right? And decided who they wanted to even talk to before engaging with the company. Fair. So that tells me is that marketing and the content that we create is becoming a more and more important part of the buying process and the sales process because we need to figure out how do we get earlier in that buyer's journey. Intent data is one of them, but you have to tell the right content to engage them, right? Yeah. And take up their time. So this, this notion of in the self-serve buying trend world, how do you think about where content is, is heading and, and, and how we should be thinking about content as we go into the future? Yeah. Um, I guess one of the challenges we have as marketers is that, yes, we, we, know, we all, I think hopefully we all know content is really important, um, but there is a lot of it out there and really helping your content to stick out. Um, that, that's, that's a really big challenge, I think, for marketers, um, just figuring out, yeah, firstly, how to get people to pay attention to your content. And then also just how to continually make your content more and more relevant for people. So um, I know one of the things that we spoke about last time was around interactive content. And I, I do think there definitely is a role for that in trying to make your content more engaging for your audience. And that can take all kinds of forms. Um, like there are sort of these platforms that help you make content um, sort of more interactive instead of like using a PDF, using something that's sort of an alternative, which is a bit more engaging and a little bit more interactive for people. Um, there's, you know, obviously video content is, is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're seeing a lot more of that being used on LinkedIn these days. Um, even really simple things like surveys and polls or, you know, including in webinars that you do some kind of audience participation aspect, all of that makes your content just a little bit more engaging, a little bit more memorable. And there's actually so much research around um, introducing these interactive elements to your content uh, and the, the ability for people to remember the content afterwards. And they're far more likely to remember what they've read and who, who produced that content um, if you make it more engaging and um, interactive. So I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of um, coming up with these different ways to to make your content um, more interactive. And I do think that's going to be um, like a big problem to solve for marketers moving forward because there is just, there's just so much out there and it's difficult to know really where to look. Um, and then the other part is, yeah, just making it more relevant for your audience. So one of the things that I've been experimenting with is around this idea of modular content. And that's really where you can take a piece of content and you can kind of dissect it in lots of different ways so that you're serving it up to people in a way that's meaningful to them and is sort of touching on the things that are going to be most interesting to them. So like take, for instance, this report that we recently launched a patch, which is like the buyer's guide to carbon credits. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty big piece of content and there's stuff in there for everybody, but actually not necessarily everyone is going to find everything in there interesting. So what we've actually done is segmented it into three um, distinct eBooks. They still have the opportunity to download the whole thing if they want. But what we do as part of this process is we try to understand where are you at in your journey? Are you like a beginner, intermediate, are you advanced? 
And we make sure that we're serving up the content within that book that is going to be most relevant to them at that stage in their journey. So it's, you know, thinking about things like that, you know, personalization, all of these really um, interesting tools we have in marketing just to make that content more relevant and just stand out for the buyer. And I think that's really where we need to go um, with content for the future. So well said. Thank you. Um, you know, I want to keep talking, but it's there's so much that we've covered here. If you could, to kind of wrap us up here, if there was a single takeaway, right, something that you really wanted to make sure that the audience took away from this, if they remembered only one thing, what would that be? Yeah, I don't think it's going to surprise anyone because I've been coming on about it the whole time. It's just about data and really understanding your audience. Just collect as much of it as you possibly can. Um, normally, if you have like some kind of marketing automation system, we use HubSpot, for instance. That can do a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Um, and it's just making sure you're tracking all of that stuff. And then it's not just tracking, but doing something with it once you have that data, because it can track a whole lot of stuff in it. I think you have to just figure out out of all of that, what are the things that are most important to you? What are the things that are most important to your buyer? And how can you activate that in some way? So um, yeah, just really uh, understand your audience. And then that will give you the power that you need to sort of take your buyer on a journey and hopefully get to get them to a point where they're ready to buy from you. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for coming on here. If, if people had follow-on questions and wanted to get a hold of you, would it be appropriate if we gave them a link to your profile on LinkedIn? Sure. Yeah. Always happy to connect with fellow marketers. So um, definitely uh, send me a connect request on LinkedIn and we can take the conversation further there. Well, fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for coming on and sharing all of your insights. Very fascinating. And I have to tell you, if people weren't salivating when you said you took a, you know, ABM process from nine months to six weeks, that buying cycle, <laughs> that's pretty important and pretty impressive. So uh, congratulations on that. Thank uh, you. And we'd love to have you back on in the future at some time if you're open for it. For sure. Yeah, no, uh, really enjoyed our conversation, Steve.